This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Last weekend, stand-up comedian and film and television actor Jackie Mason passed away at the age of 93. New York Post commentator John Potteritz described Jackie as a comic genius who spoke from the perspective of an outside observer, an undisguisable member of a minority group who saw the ludicrousness both in the majority and the way his own community responded to the majority. Brian Oppert, an expert on Jewish humor and someone who has been known to quote Jackie Mason, joins me now to tell me more about this complicated man. Brian, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me a little bit about Jackie Mason, Brian. I think as most people know, Jackie Mason, his his uh, lineage is all important to the flavor of his uh, of his uh, genre and the way that um, uh, the jokes that he that he made were formed. Uh, his great grandfather was a rabbi in Eastern Europe, and his parents before him, his his uh, fathers before him, his grandfather was the first who brought the family to America. And he became a rabbi in a community in America. His father also was a rabbi in, in America, as were his brothers, uh, rabbis in America. Originally, Jackie Mason, his real name was Yaakov Moshe Maza. Now, that's a name for a good Jewish boy. Because today, Jews don't really have Jewish names. And this used to drive Jackie absolutely crazy. In fact, he said that... Uh, um, many times he said that Jews today can't change everything and they change their, their Jewish names as well. They're trying to assimilate. They're trying to be like the uh, groups that they find themselves into. So one of the things he said is, he said, when Jews go and buy clothing, they said, what do they buy? They buy Prada, they buy Vera Wang, they buy Pierre Cardin. Have you ever heard a Jew say, you see the suits? It's a Schwartz. Look at that. Feel it. Feel the, feel the quality. Look at the way it looks. It's a Schwartz. No Jew ever did such a thing. And he carries on and he speaks about, um, about names. He says that he knew a girl that he was at school with. Her name was Tiffany Cohen. He says, what kind of name is Tiffany? Who calls their daughter Tiffany? Anyway, he carries on and he says the best name that he ever heard that he was at school with, the kid's name was Crucifix Finkelstein. Nevertheless, having said that, he still fell into that hole and he changed his name, realizing that Jacob, that, that Yaakov Moshe Maza was not going to work if he was going to be in show business. And so Jackie Mason was born. He had a difficult life when he grew up, both the economic situation and also his father was a harsh disciplinarian. And they, they often bumped heads because Jackie wasn't the most ardent Torah learner. What is fascinating is that in his autobiography, which he wrote, finishing in 1988, he in fact dedicated the book to his to his father. And he writes some very harsh interactions that he had with his father. But nevertheless, he realized that much of what he was was based on the education that he got from his father. His father said something fascinating about Jackie, though. He said that out of all of his sons, there were six children, out of all of his sons, Jackie was the brightest. Now, that's not so simple because his older brother, Bernie, skipped so many grades at high school that he finished high school at 12 years old. And nevertheless, Jackie's father thought that Jackie was the brightest out of all of them. 
So when we say that Jackie was a rabbi, that comes with a, num- a number of caveats. Firstly, it took him a very, very long time to get ordination. He had so many other things to do while he was in yeshiva. Firstly, he got a university degree, got a BA, majoring in sociology and English. And he writes that when he was at university, he got into many debates and he would go to many lectures on socialism, con- communism, anarchy, and as many lectures of Bertrand Russell as he could attend, he did. And what he made sure was he spent as little time in yeshiva as possible because he had a comic repertoire that he had to develop. In fact, he even tried to become a chazan. He said that didn't work out so well because hitting the high C notes didn't work for him. Eventually, in 1958, he did become a rabbi and he served for three years in two communities on a part-time basis. This was the point of change because he put his comedy into his sermons. And eventually, his sermons were so good that they started attracting Gentiles. But at that point, he said there was no problem. He always knew when he had a minion. It was a small community. He had a minion. All he had to do was count 10 noses. The 10 noses came in. He could see they were Jewish. Bam, he had a minion. Uh, he makes the point that today he doesn't know if he could count a minion with 10 noses because as the names are cut, so too the noses are cut. So he's not sure. But anyway, when it tipped over that he had more Gentiles sitting in his shul waiting to hear his, uh, his uh, sermons, he realized the rabbinate was not for him. So he decided to leave it and go full-time into, into uh, comedy. He did mention to his family, the bottom line is that someone in the family has to make a living. And you are definitely not going to make one. I'll go into comedy. That was the youth and the way he grew, the, the way that he grew up. His career started during the, his summer holidays when he went to the Catskills, where apparently many Jews during the summer months, they were a plenty. And this was most fertile ground in finding his shtick material where he was hired for many nights, he would go around to the different, uh, the different hotels and he would run his, he would run his shows. And, uh, in fact, he made more money than you'd ever imagined that, that he could. However, during the day, the hotel where he was staying at, the owner of the hotel made sure that he had extra jobs. First job that he had was a waiter. Now this didn't really fit in with the way Mason thought a good Jewish boy should, should be doing. He had a major in English and sociology, was a rabbi. He needed a plan to get out of waitering. He was not going to do this. So he got a plan. He broke lots of plates. And that wasn't going to work for the owner. So the owner decides to move him to become a lifeguard at the pool. When he was appointed, he went up to the manager and he whispered in his ear, I'll be the lifeguard. You should just know I cannot swim. And the manager said to him, that's fine. Just don't tell anyone. And you're a rabbi, pray very, very hard. But then out of mercy and kindness, he was moved to become the organizer of games in the hotel. And every hotel during the summer months had to have games available to keep the guests busy. And this is what he remembers, that one of the guests called him over and said to him, you have a volleyball set for us. So Jackie said, absolutely, you want to play? The guest replied, are you crazy? You think I'm getting out of this chair? So Jackie said, but you just asked me to play volleyball. He said, yeah, but now I'm tired. I don't want to play volleyball. Nevertheless, every hotel owner knew that if they didn't have games available, the following dialogue would take place 
between a husband and a wife. The wife would say to the husband, this hotel stinks. It takes a schmuck like you to book us into a hotel with no games. That was the beginning of, uh, of Jackie Mason cutting his teeth in the, in the comedian career. As he proceeded through his career, he had a number of ups and downs. He dipped his toe into acting and uh, he was in a movie Caddyshack. He got a Tony Award for a stand-up um, show that, that he did. And he got himself into hot water a number of times. One of the most dark, hilarious situations with him with Ed Sullivan. And that's really worth looking into. A fascinating situation between him and Ed Sullivan. But there's two other... There's two other anecdotes or points that I wish to bring up that perhaps are less known about the time that he was, um, at, uh, that, uh, that took place during this time. The first thing is that Jackie was well known that during his stand-up, um, his uh, stand-up routines, he would pick on the people who were sitting in the front. He was giving a show in Long Island and it was, in his words, it was a well-known, it was a club that was well-known to be frequented by the mob. And he knew that the mob would come in. And there was a very certain way that they came in. Friday nights, they would bring in their good girlfriends. And Saturday nights, they came with their wives. And this did not phase Jackie in any way whatsoever. So one night, there's a mobster sitting in the front row on a Saturday night. And Jackie says to him, hey, mister, is this your girlfriend? So he said, last night, I saw you with another woman. And to tell you the truth, the other one was better looking. It's recorded that the mafia bosses loved Jackie. This did not bother them in any way whatsoever. So he used to carry on with it. One night, however, he does that to one of these mobsters, and he sees that the the guy's laughing. So he carries on, and he makes a joke here and there about the guy, the guy smiling. And uh, then he says to him, I have to tell you personally, I think that you could do much better than this Yenta sitting next to you. And I have to tell you, when I look at her, she doesn't look so happy to be sitting next to you either. Anyway, after the show, he goes back to his room and he feels a very large, gentle hand grabbing him around the throat and telling him that as soon as he goes into the car the car park, he is going to be shot dead. Jackie and the owner of the club took this very, very seriously. And Jackie says that there was a flurry of calls made mobster bosses and the hit was called off and Jackie was not assassinated in the car park that night. However, he had not learned his lesson and it continued. The second point about this period of his life was perhaps a bit more dark and a bit more a bit more difficult and it shows that, that Jackie Mason was a human with foibles and mistakes that he made and uh, uh, he wasn't an angel. Um, Jackie had a, had a daughter who's alive today. Her name is Sheba. And he had this daughter with a, with a girlfriend. And he really got himself into a brocht because he did not believe that it was his daughter. And in fact, he demanded a paternity test. And it came out that it was his daughter. And he paid maintenance until she was 18. And uh, he's had nothing to do with her afterwards. And I think that that is a very interesting insight into Jackie Mason, that with all of his humor and with all of his expanse of thinking and being able to look at the human condition, he had his weaknesses. 
and and he had his sorrows like any other human being, and perhaps that was one of the things that formed him as someone who was able to comment on uh, the human condition. Another part of Jackie was that he was a fierce Zionist. He was in Israel for at least two different wars. The one was the 1991 war, uh, the, the, the first Gulf, uh, Gulf War. The second one was when the Six-Day War broke out. Now, he decided that he could end the Six-Day War because he knew as follows. Whenever America went to war, Bob Hope was there. So wherever the American troops were, that's where Bob Hope was. So he figured all they had to do was kill Bob Hope and America will never go to war again. So Jackie wanted to be the Bob Hope of Israel. So his first show that he went during 1967, there were a whole bunch of troops that were in a, in a captured bunker from the Jordanians. And he gets up and the first part of his shtick is that he praises the IDF. And he says it's amazing. What he's seen is that the IDF are the best shots and they save the most ammunition of any army he's ever seen. And he said he's worked out why. He said because the IDF are a budget army. They make the troops buy their own ammunition. So he says what kind of Jew would waste a bullet if he never knew that he was going to hit the targets? He then waited to see what the reaction would do, uh, uh, what the action would be. Nothing. There was no reaction. The, the Israelis thought he was an absolute mishugana. They had no, no idea what he was talking about. This did not land. So he thought he'll barrel on and see where they can get another one. So he carries on and uh, he says, the other thing that I noticed during this war was that the Israelis only went 200 kilometers into Egypt. He says, why didn't they capture the entire country? And he said he worked it out when he saw one of their tanks. Yep, there were higher tanks. Hertz, rent a tank. He said, and every Jew knows you get 200 free kilometers. After that, you pay per kilometers. No way the IDF were going to pay per kilometer. The response from the Israelis, nada, said that was the biggest stinker show that he had ever given in his life. And he gave up speaking to Israeli, to the IDF and Israeli soldiers. Brian, I'm going to stop you there just to say um, how, how culturally sensitive humor is and how popular one can be in America and think that Jewish humor is um, transferable when clearly it isn't. Brian, in your last comment, because we have run out of time, just for you, in, in a sentence, as it were, what's Jackie Mason for you? Jackie Mason, I think, had an extraordinary had an extraordinary insight into the human condition and um, and into the 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 ways that Jews integrated into the world and the two different the two different societies of Jews trying to integrate into a non-Jewish world and how they hit against each other and different ideas of different people um, knocking against each other and what came out of them. And the insight that was really gained when one took a step back and said, hang on, that's right, that is absolutely fascinating. I think that that insight was amazing. But the truth of it is, is that um, that Jackie Mason brought thousands and thousands of people um, enormous amount of joy. He was very controversial. He was not afraid to express uh, controversy. Um, he, uh, but, but, but also he had an incredibly large heart. He was famous for having told the Los Angeles Times that I don't care about money. I give it to the families of my three brothers, my, t- my, my two sisters. We're all very close. I have enough money to last the rest of my life. Unless, of course, I want to buy something. And, uh, for me, that was, 
what Jackie Mason was, this enormous heart. He enjoyed bringing, enjoyed bringing joy and laughter to people and pointing out the foibles of society. And the Talmud, in fact, tells us that of the, of the greatest people that find in a place in the next world are those who bring joy to other people. Thank you so much for your time and uh, for sharing your knowledge on Jackie Mason. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much. That was Brian, uh, clearly a Jackie Mason fan and an expert on Jewish humor.